How does magnetic field therapy really help? The number of people who have received substantial clinical benefit from, from uh, application of magnetic fields is certainly in the millions world, worldwide and increasing rapidly as new clinical indications are based as we discover new uh, uses for PMS. EMF therapies also present as, as alternatives to pharmacologic treatments with virtually no toxicity or side effects. So the use of PMFs is also ra expanding rapidly among professionals. Not as much as we would like, and there's still a, a significant deficit of people using PMF therapy for all sorts of things. But consumers are increasing their use and professionals are increasing their use tremendously. And then who wants to be left behind? I was on the Dr. Oz show because people recommended me to Dr. Oz. Or Dr. Oz did a show because um, for pain particularly, but magnetic field therapy clearly was represented as a major uh, benefit for pain. So he did a whole show on PMF therapy for, or at least a segment of his show, PMF therapy for as a cure for pain. And I wouldn't say that it's a cure for pain, it's rather a uh, big claim. But let me show you some examples of how PMFs help. And these are not exhaustive, but there's some examples. So this is a 62-year-old uh, male who had uh, carcinoma of the cancer of the uh, mouth and uh, had radiation therapy. Because of the radiation therapy, the bone dies. Okay, that's dead bone. And then uh, with magnetic field therapy, once magnetic field therapy was begun, that bone was resorbed. The dead bone was actually taken out of the body, was removed by the body. And then with the magnetic field therapy, then you could see a little bridge of bone forming here. That's new bone forming. Due to magnetic field ther therapy, due to magnetic stimulation, this would have probably not happened with radiation uh, necrosis. Normally it's, it's ir irreversible because the tissues are damaged. They ha don't have the cap capacity or the ability to repair without removing chance, without having some help. This is a diabetic with Charcot foot. So Charcot foot is nerve damage to the foot. Huge swelling. He had a lot of drainage from his foot. And this is, they put a compression around it. So that little pyramid there and the little hole there was where the drainage was coming from. One month of magnetic field therapy, one month. And look at the difference in his foot. Okay, that's with just magnetic field therapy. So it improved the neuropathy and improved the swelling and the infection and the um, and the drainage. This is a lady who hit her uh, face on a steering wheel in a car accident, a car rolled over. So she had a through and through laceration, cut right through the lip. She used a small PMF device, portable battery operated for several hours a day. And then after about two weeks, this is the difference, almost completely healed. Okay, that's dramatic. You don't get that by chance. Most people cannot do that on their own. They need help. This is another example uh, that really got my attention tremendously about the value of PMF therapy. This is a three-year-old child who, who tore off the end of her thumb. You can see the suture marks. We had the doctors replace the torn off piece of the thumb to serve as a bandage essentially. And then also to uh, be able to uh, vascularize the tissue better, faster. So portable PMF device, just like the one with the woman with the uh, laceration to her lip. She did this, this for three, an hour and a half to three hours a day. I would have preferred that she did it for more time than that, but three-year-olds. So after three weeks, about three weeks, you can still see the suture, here are the suture marks. You can still see some of the suture marks. They haven't fallen off yet completely, but this is all gangrene, dry gangrene. So the tissue is dead. 
it was avascular here, no blood supply. Now it's gangrenous. But it's dry gangrene, it's not, not harmful, not risky. All right, that's at three weeks. At six weeks, look at all the pink. So you can see the healing in here as well. Look at all the pink. Six weeks. There's a little tuft of a scab left at the end in six weeks. And then at about 11 weeks, that little scab fell off. And now she has, is regrowing her nail. So 11 to 12 weeks of magnetic field therapy has regrown, regrown the end of her, of her finger. If the, if the surgeons had done their thing with it, she would have had a stunted thumb for the rest of her life. Dramatic therapy. Now, I did, study, I did a study with um, um, head injuries, TBIs, with PMF therapy, and we used a, a device called the brain gauge to measure uh, uh, performance. <clears throat> this is pre-treatment. So this is different functions of the brain using this brain gauge device. Um, the speed of the processing, accuracy, uh, temporal order, in other words, how quickly people make decisions over time, time perception, and so on. So green means great. Orange, red is bad. So this is a pale green, which is not great. Yellow, not great. So there are significant deficiency, deficiencies found pre-treatment. This is post-treatment. So after basically a month, I'm sorry, three months of treatment, um, this is what ended up happening. All these greens show up. Significant improvements in function with PEMF therapy. Now, did we heal the brain? I don't know. All right, we don't, we don't know whether it heals the brain, but it certainly helps the brain function better. So this is brain damage improvement or brain function improvement after a TBI, tra traumatic brain injury. Vascular improvement, circulation always improves with PMF therapy, almost always, unless you have the uh, circulation completely cut off. So this is a thermogram of somebody before magnetic field therapy with essentially Raynaud's disease with very little circulation to the hands. And this is with PMF therapy. Or magnetic field therapy. Okay, significant in 11 days. Now, the magnetic field therapy is not just for disease. Um, I had a, uh, an athlete I worked with who raced the four deserts. In other words, he raced, the, he raced three of the four deserts on the planet. Grueling, grueling uh, uh, racing. And he did magnetic field therapy after the first one uh, because he said, I, it really almost destroyed me and a lot of tissue damage as a result. And he needed to prepare for the next one. And he had soreness, muscle aches uh, dramatically decreased, recovery post-workouts and long runs sped up, recovery sped up after, uh, uh, after workouts using magnetic therapy, muscle fatigue greatly decreased, energy levels increased, personal best training times in 12 hours, 17.3 miles on a bike. So in other words, he improved his, his, uh, his uh, training times significantly. Week, weekly training distances increased, chronic uh, hip and knee pain, little or no discomfort. He then ran the Gobi Desert in his best time ever and made the top 20. In the initial Sahara Desert run, he was down to around the 80th or 90th of, out of 100. And he used a portable PMF five to seven days a week, one to four hours a day on his glutei, uh, thighs, hips, knees, and ankles. And now it's part of his optimal wellness uh, toolbox. I had a 60-year-old guy who uh, was a long-distance um, cyclist. He had, he's done the trip across the U.S. twice now. 
So he did 191 miles in 12 hours, 17 miles per hour on, on a bike, 45 minutes faster than the same course before. He put the coils on top of his quads, again, the small um, round coils. Riding was easier and faster, felt like it go much longer and harder, and his average speed at 100 miles was the same as earlier, and the ride was hillier. And he said he began to actually outperform 50-year-olds on the, uh, the, the, tour that he, the last tour that he did. So how does magnetic field therapy work? So it does, has all these benefits. It works on all these cells. It helps to decrease um, disability and injury. So how does it actually work? So it's a discovery. And a discovery by definition is at variance with existing knowledge. So a lot of people say, what is this? It's not possible. This can't work. This can't, there's, no, there's no science behind this, which is absolutely not true. And we're going to show you that there is science behind it. But a discovery must, by definition, be at variance with existing knowledge. There's always going to be people who are going to say, no, it can't work. It's not possible. But we will show you that it is possible. And it is at variance with the existing knowledge of the medical system. The medical system doesn't really know about this technology. And when it does know about it, it, it uses it in a very limited fashion because it really doesn't understand the value of it. So PEMFs are a form of energy medicine. They do more than that, but they are a form of energy medicine. The way they work is through energy medicine. It's through ma manipulation and management of energy. So I look at healing in, as basically in, in uh, five levels. Uh, as a person, as a human being, we normally think of ourselves as tissue. Right? We have skin, we have muscles and bones and so on. We think of ourselves as tissue. But what actually makes tissue? Well, what actually produces tissue? Molecules, which is chemistry. So everything in the body is made of molecules. It's a physical body and therefore it has to have physical structure, which means it needs to have a molecular structure. But what controls chemistry? Physics controls chemistry. Chemistry cannot function without physics and therefore you won't have a body if you don't have physics you can't see it, touch it, or feel it, but it's there controlling everything all the time. Now, we can have other uh, discussions about what, what other aspects are above physics, and we can say that certainly we understand that there's quantum physics. Now, there's more discussion about quantum physics, and then what's above quantum physics? Well, let's just say for, uh, for, this, for our purposes today, let's just say spirit. And spirit, basically, everything cascades down from the, from the upper levels. Right? So even quantum physics and even spirit will cascade down through all these levels. And spirit is energy medicine as well. And um, spirit uh, basically activates quantum physics, which then activates physics, which then activates chemistry and so on. So this is the levels of healing that I tend to look at in terms of where PMF therapy uh, fits in. And so PMF ther therapy basically fits in at the physics level. So one of the four PMF therapy or electromagnetics is one of the four forces of the universe. There's the weak force, the strong force, gravitational force, and electromagnetic. And the biggest of all, the largest of all, is electromagnetic. It's not necessarily the strongest, but it's the largest. So man, humans, are exposed to a huge uh, amount of magnetic field uh, energy all over the place. The Earth's magnetic field is a DC magnetic field. We have magnetic rock formations. We have the Schumann resonances in the atmosphere, the, the pulsations of the uh, electrons in the atmosphere. We have geomagnetic storms through the polar regions. We actually have ground currents. There are currents that are flowing in the ground all the time. 
we are not aware of them, and this is where grounding could become important and using uh, grounding mats. But that's not all, and that, those are very weak. So they can't do a lot of the work that we need them to do to remove chance from uh, the effects on the body of life. And then the body itself produces its own magnetic fields because it's an electromagnetic apparatus. It's a, all this electrical activity in the body produces its own electromagnetic field. And then of course we have the magnetic fields of other living beings or other living things for that matter. So we have a lot of electromagnetic exposure. Not only, not only are we electromagnetic, but we have a lot of exposure around us. So energy is the currency of all interactions in medicine, in nature. Energy is the currency of all interactions in nature are due to uh, relationships of energy. To, to leave energetic considerations out of the equations of life and medicine is to ignore some 99% of what is actually happening around us and within us. There's a lot of science to support alternative medicine. We know that the body has an energy field and it's important. There are serious flaws in the pill for every disease model. We know that. Inflammation model may replace the disease model. I, I wouldn't say the inflammation model may replace the disease model. In my work and my experience over 50 years of practicing medicine, inflammation has replaced the disease model. The di inflammation is the basis of disease, huge component of the causes of disease. Energetics uh, work quickly and without side effects. And this is definitely the future of medicine certainly for those that are, have their eyes open. So energy signals are 100 times more efficient and infinitely faster than physical chemical signaling. So oxygen moving into the body to do the things that oxygen does is much slower than the energetics of the way the body works. So for example, when you move your arm, there's, an there's a, a pulse of electromagnetic charge or electrical charge within that muscle that moves at the rate of 100 meters per second. And crazy fast, much faster than chemical signaling. So what kind of signaling would your body's interactive community of 50 trillion cells, whatever number you want to use, prefer? I think I know the answer. Now we know that living organisms must receive and interpret environmental signals in order to stay alive. We have to react to what, whatever's going on around us, within us, uh, and so on. We have to react to it. And we have to react properly, quickly, efficiently. Survival is directly related to the speed and efficiency of signal transfer. And remember now that electromagnetic energy travels at the rate of 186,000 miles per second, almost instantaneous. And I see this on a routine basis with PMFs. The speed of a chemical reaction is much less, less than one centimeter per second, much slower. So living systems can be affected by many agents in many different ways, but these influences add up to modifications of one basic parameter, the density of electrical polarization or electrical uh, charge. Examples of therapies that alter charge density. So too much positive charge gives you too much acid, too many free radicals, which then leads to disease. So electrical fields, magnetic fields, light, movement therapies. Again, moving ther physical therapies are very important. Hands-on therapies, again, hands-on healing, and then earthing. One of the most important books that influenced my work is The Body Electric by Dr. Becker. I would strongly suggest you might wanna pick that up. It's, it's amazing information about the electromagnetism and foundation of life, and the body is electric, and he shows you lots of evidence about that.
Now, in addition to that, we also have magnetite. So not only do we have external magnetic fields, but we have internal magnetic fields that are produced by um, the functions of the body, electrical functions of the body, but also we actually have something called magnetite, which are magnetic antennas in our brains. There are magnetite crystals in the brain. Dr. Kirschfink found that there are about 5 million magnetite crystals per gram of brain cell, brain cell, 100 million magnetite crystals per gram of cerebral cortex. So this is an antenna. It's an electromagnetic wand. It, it produces energy, produces magnetic fields, and it also receives magnetic fields. So this is our telecommunication system through the vibration of uh, other frequencies around us. Very important aspect of who we are and what, how our brains work, and maybe the basis of ESP and other uh, uh, phenomena relative to communication across distance by humans. Now, this is a this is a study that I did um, with a, a whole body PMF system using something called electroacupuncture according to Vole testing, so electrical testing of points on the hands and on the uh, and feet, and you measure a, a large number of points. And red means, red means dead. So red means it's insufficient. Green is good. Yellow means it's compromised, but not, not red. So in this person, the first scan saw a lot of red, tremendous amount of red. Then after a magnetic field treatment to the whole body, look what happened. Only about six or seven bands of red still showed up. I call that shaking the ashes off the embers. So what you've done is reveal the deeper underlying problems in the body. And this is where you should end up targeting your treatment, the reds that are left over. You could waste your time targeting these. So basically you could do a whole body PMF session and just sort of clean out the, the field, the magnetic field of the body, the biofield of the body. And then, then you target the deeper underlying uh, problems that are still there. Same thing in this person, a lot of red, and the, the greens are not quite as green looking, but. They're greens and, and yellows. And again, after, the after picture. So this person had a lot more going on after being cleared by PMS. The biofield or the body's aura, I'm sure you've all heard of auras. So this, these are pictures done by an aura video station. This is done before PMF therapy, before PMF exposure. And this is after PMF exposure. So the greens and the blues are duller colors. All of this yellow, brightness, shininess, if you will, shows up in the aura after magnetic field therapy. So it's clearing the aura, essentially. And I've actually done dousing of uh, people with after magnetic field therapy and found that their biofield using uh, dousing apparatus expands dramatically by, by 10 or 20 feet even. And I've seen this routinely with healers when they start doing magnetic field therapy, their own auras, their own biofield for healing purposes dramatically increases. Now, an, an environmental magnetic field or a magnetic field, electromagnetic field applied to the body creates an electrical signal, which then goes to the nervous system and creates a, a biolo total biologic response. But that signal keeps going on and creates electrical and hormonal signal. So not only do you have a direct electrical response in the body to the nervous system, but then you also begin to get hormonal signals that then affect the endocrine system, the heart, the blood and so on. And this is from Dr. Marino, All right? So I'll go into that in a little bit more detail in a second. One of the overall mechanisms of action of PMF therapy is on the calcium ion. 
and calcium calmodulin, which is linked to the calcium ion and does most of the work in um, the, the cell, inside the cell. So PMF increases calcium binding to calmodulin in milliseconds. And then it increases, develops something called um, uh, NOS, I'm sorry, I'm blocking on this. But anyway, it produces nitric oxide. So, um, so calcium calmodulin fundamentally produces nitric oxides. And that's, that's what's critical. So nit, nit, nitric oxide then produces cyclic GMP, which produces growth factors. So magnetic field therapy then can stimulate angiogenesis in hours over days, collagen production granulation in days, remodeling of tissue through TGF. So t G NO through cyclic GMP then has effects on all of these different uh, other proteins and molecules to produce different actions in the body. Sorry for that stumbling. So, so PMFs that can regulate DNA, RNA, protein synthesis, alter protein shape and function, control gene regulation, control cell dif division, differentiation, and morphogenesis. Now there's the production of organs and tissues, hormone secretion, nerve growth, and function. So each one of these cellular activities is a fundamental behavior that contributes to the unfolding of life. Bruce Lipton. So the electrical field of the heart is the strongest field in the body because of the amount of function and work the heart is doing. The circulatory system is an excellent conductor of electricity. So the heart's electricity gives rise to a biomagnetic field that surrounds the body, all right? That's important. So all the organs in the body do that, but some of the organs are stronger. The, the brain and the, and the heart especially are the most magnetically, electrically active organs in the body. And so they produce the biggest fields around them. And the electrophysiologic correlates of emotions have been measured, electrical, physiological. In other words, the way that the, uh, these emotions react, cause the heart to react, which then can be picked up by the heart rate. So this is heart um, rate variability testing. And the heart itself, the electrocardiogram, is associated with a magnetic field. So electrical fields are associated with magnetic fields and vice versa. This is using a, mag magnetro a magnetometer, basically. It's a huge uh, electromagnetic measurement device for the brain. In, th in this case, this woman is using her brain. These have been also developed for the heart and other organs in the body. So the electrocardiogram, this is what happens with the electrical activity, and we're used to the electrocardiogram. But they've actually found that the magnetocardiogram shows a very similar magnetic field uh, uh, process in terms of time, as well as the uh, intensity. In fact, you can actually see that the magnetic field component is maybe just a little bit uh, faster than the electrical component, because the electrical component of the heart has to be translated to the measurement device. But the, the magnetocardiogram picks it up even a bit sooner, actually. All right, two laws of physics are involved in biomagnetism. Am Ampere's law, electricity gives rise to magnetism, Faraday's law of magnetism gives rise, to gives rise to electric currents, and we'll talk about those in a second. So the, ma the, the, biofield of the, uh, the biomagnetic field of the body can be detected as much as 15 feet from the body, but it doesn't even end there. That's just measurable, um, being able to measure it at those levels, and that measurement depends on the tool that you're using to measure. So energy is produced by living systems, electricity, magnetism. So these are, again, these are things that we are, our bodies are producing. Sound, we produce sound, we produce heat, we produce elastic energy and chemical energy. So 
The breakthrough in energy medicine is the inflammation model. Excess positive charge leads to too much acid. Too many free radicals lead to disease. So inflammation model is an energy medicine model. Virtually all chronic disease is caused by focal, local, focal chronic inflammation. So there's now growing consensus that uh, in the medical community even, that chronic diseases and disorders may actually result from inflammatory responses that have in a sense outlived. So these inflammatory responses have outlived their usefulness and they become instead of acute inflammation, chronic inflammation. And so all these chronic diseases are a result. Magnetic field therapy or magnetic field exposure even helps water. So the water with magnetic field exposure becomes organized. And when it becomes organized, so it takes the disorder, which is normally present in water, and organizes it. And when it organizes it, the uh, structured water, it's called structured water, then passes through membrane channels much faster. And it's closer to the resemblance of the structure of the cell membrane itself. So water is very, very, very uh, much affected by PMFs or magnetic fields. So the effects of structured water, antibacterial, cleanses blood of foreign proteins, reduces cholesterol, increases metabolism, promotes soft fragmentation of gallstones, so gallstones can break up. Uh, soft uh, kidney stones can break up as well. It regulates blood pressure, to to improves the tone of the body, stimulates the immune system. Our only 25 minutes on a medium intensity PMF device structures two liters of water. Food cooked with this water tastes softer and carries the same health value as water alone. Plant seeds, plant seeds grow better and faster. So there's plenty of evidence now to show that the water is very much affected. And that means all the water in our bodies. Now, the water in our body is not truly water. We're basically electrolyte suits. So magnetic field healing then basically is using pulse magnetic fields as an advanced, powerful, safe, integrative, and natural method of healing. So the advantages of magnetic field therapy, are, again, are that it's not toxic, it's not invasive, stimulates the body's own capacity for healing. It's reusable, can be used over and over and over again. Again, it's natural in the sense that it makes the body do the work. You can use it at home, you could use it in a professional setting, and it's complementary to almost all other therapies that I'm aware of. And there's a large body of scientific evidence. So uh, treatment benefits, PMFs act in synergy with most other therapies. They work deep in the body. They do direct tissue healing. I was trained in acupuncture, and acupuncture does most of its work through uh, indirectly through the body. And one of the reasons I moved over to PMF therapies from acupuncture is that I can do direct tissue healing. I can do direct cellular healing and still do a lot of the work that acupuncture does. It addresses stubborn problems better faster. And again, it makes everything else work better. Evidence. So in the book, Power Tools for Health, my first book, I um, gave scientific citations for, the, for uh, magnetic field effects on about 50 different health conditions. So there's plenty of evidence. And this is just a, a drop in the bucket of the evidence that's available. Um, it's growing all the time. And so anybody who says there's no evidence, um, I would recommend picking up the book. I had a doctor friend who used to talk to doctors and said, show me the evidence. And he would take the book and drop it on the floor. That there's the evidence. And that's the end of the discussion. And they don't ask for evidence anymore. So now we go into the practical stuff. So who am I? So I'm a former family physician. I recently did holistic and functional medicine trained in acupuncture through a UCLA, UCLA program for, for doctors. I also have training in uh, nutrition, homeopathy, herbal therapies, energy medicine, healing, color therapy, sound therapy, and hypnosis. 
So I've tried to pick up as much knowledge as I possibly could across the spectrum of non-allopathic medicine in order to be able to solve problems. And everything that I learned solved new problems. But I also discovered that everything I learned still has its own, had its own limitations. So that's why I kept learning and I'm still learning today. So you stop learning, you stop living. So I've been working with magnetic fields now for 30 years. I've written two, three books. Um, so Magnetic Therapy in Eastern Europe, Power Tools for Health, and we'll talk about the next one shortly. And then I've been on too many to count podcasts, interviews, book, and book chapters, and so on. I have uh, two websites, drpollock.com. I actually have multiple websites, but these are the primary ones I recommend to you, drpollock.com and the PEMF Training Academy, for those who want more in-depth training. So uh, I started all this because I had patients who almost died from gastric bleeding, and I wanted to do something different than traditional ibuprofen or narcotics. And so I did acupuncture training. And then, then when I finished training in 1990, patients were refusing acupuncture. It was un relatively unknown in 1990. So I started looking for alternative ways of doing acupuncture. So I discovered uh, ma little magnets that they were using in China, Japan, and Korea, choreo hand acupuncture. So I started using all these different kinds of magnets and found benefits beyond the acupuncture point. So then I started looking at the science. Why? Why is this happening? What's happening in the body when you, you do magnetic field therapy? Whether the little magnets or whole body magnetic systems or what, you know, what's going on? So having delved into the science, I met a, a doctor from um, Czech Republic, an MD, PhD, and he provided me with a manuscript of a lot of the uh, citations in the Eastern European literature written in the Cyrillic alphabet, the Russian alphabet. Um, and that book just completely opened my eyes because the amount of research they had done just was way beyond what was available in the West. And that's one of the reasons doctors don't know about this. It's written in obscure journals. It's not written by the mainstream journals. And you don't get into a mainstream journal unless you have a lot of money behind you or your, your prestige, which is usually because of money behind you, um, is, uh, allows you to get published in uh, Western journals. So I extensively use PMS with better results, and then I published this book, Power Tools for Health. Now, this book, Power Tools for Health, is not that practical. It's reasonably practical, but it's not that practical. It does talk more about what magnetic fields are and how they work. And it does talk about, gives you the science on 50 different health conditions. So as a result, I published this book called Supercharge Your Health with PMF Therapy, which is much more of a, of a how-to book. It's more manual, more of a manual. So if you want the science, get this book. If you want more practicality, get this book, although you may need both. So... Um, so appeared on the off show, we talked about that. So every clinical discipline has its limitations, no matter what. It takes time for any professional to learn the limitations of their discipline, typically five to eight years after you leave school, if you leave your training. Then the question becomes, how do you expand your limiting boundaries? How do you expand beyond the boundaries that you were given by the, the tools of the profession and the knowledge of the profession that you took on? And this usually means going outside the discipline. So we're seeing this with chiropractors all the time. They're now doing functional medicine or they're doing physical therapy. We see this with, uh, again, functional medicine doctors who were conventional medical doctors and they started learning uh, nutrition and started learning other kinds of energetic approaches. So that's what you have to do. You have to leave the house of medicine. You have to leave the traditional path and leave the, 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 the horse you rode in on. You, you have to change horses. And that may be uncomfortable, but in order to really grow as a clinician, in order to be able to help more people, you, you have to expand your boundaries. So the principles of natural medicine, so I took on natural medicine because it, 
you we work with a healing power of nature. You try to, as much as possible, treat the cause because if you don't, the problem will, will continue. Clearly, try to do nothing to hurt the person from what you're doing. And you should always teach. You should always educate people why you're doing this, why you're doing that, what the differences between the two are or the multiples are. And then let the person, they will have to decide for themselves which route they want to take with their healing. And always, always, you're trying to basically treat the whole person. If they come in with a, uh, the toe bone is connected to the head bone. You really have to treat the whole person. If you just focus on the elbow and you find out that what they're doing is they're banging their arm on the desk, well, then the answer is not to treat the person. The answer is to stop the banging on the desk, right? So treat the whole person. Put whatever you're doing into context, primarily through the whole person. And so the ultimate goal of natural medicine is the optimization of health. If it's insufficient, you identify the insufficiency and address it. If it's sufficient, you have to maintain sufficiency against entropy because entropy is inevitable. You have to constantly work against entropy. Optimization is add, you're adding continuous uh, therapy strategies to gain ground on entropy. Entropy is a thermodynamic uh, aspect. Basically, it's the energy in a system that tends to decay over time. Lack of order or predictability, gradual decline into disorder. And that's what aging and disease is. So all biologic systems are, are subject to various degrees of entropy. It's inevitable and it accelerates logarithmically with aging. So not only does entropy contribute to aging, but it's logarithmically advancing with aging. So the ultimate goal of health, of healing, is to optimize health and then add strategies to gain ground on entropy. Part of the aspect of entropy is energy, isn't it? So what is the basic currency of energy in the body? ATP. So the most important goal is to keep up the energy in a system, which is ATP. Keeping up the energy is to create sufficient ATP. And that's a mighty big task. So the majority of ATP in the body is recycled from ADP and back again. ATP by, whoops, ATP by itself does nothing. It's just sitting there as a, re, as a resource. You have to strip off one of the phosphates called hydrolysis to create ATP, ADP. That stripping off of one of the phosphates then releases energy, and that's the energy of the cell. All right, so at any given moment, the total amount of ATP and ADP remain constant. The energy used by human cells requires the hydrolysis of 100 to 150 moles of ATP a day, which is about 50 to 75 kilograms of ATP per day in the body. We re replenish our body weight every day in ATP, right? Each equivalent of ATP is recycled. Each ATP molecule is recycled about 500 to 750 times in a day. We're constantly making it. Every heartbeat requires a new batch of ATP for the next heartbeat. So PMFs produce, maintain, and restore ATP, keeping the cycle going optimally. So one study found that even 20 minutes of PMF therapy increases ATP by an average of 100%, and even go goes up to about 600% improvement in ATP production. And that's all, unfortunately, very local. In what happens in order to do ATP across the body, you need a whole body PMF system and you need a strong enough PMF system to reach deep through the body uh, to be able to do all that. And you'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But PMFs don't work enough by themselves. To build a house, you need bricks and mortar. You need the workers, you need plans, you need tools. You need either use hand tools or you can use power tools. And if you're gonna use power tools, you need power. So in the body, 
what you do is you need nutrients. You need functional cells. You need functional genetics. You need fuel and energy. You need natural and or stimulated energy. Natural energy is allowing your body to produce the energy that it needs. And we already know that the body is only about 25% efficient. So as a result, we could always, always increase the amount of uh, efficiency of the body. And magnetic fields do that. So if you do it naturally, it leaves things to chance. If you stimulate it with PEMFs or other energetic approaches, you're removing chance. You're increasing the odds of being able to solve the problem rather than leaving it to chance. So what do PEMFs do? So I mentioned that we basically are working from the level of physics down, physics through chemistry and down into tissue. PEMFs probably also do stuff at the quantum physics level. And ultimately, I would have to say that electromagnetic fields and magnetic fields in general, even for those for uh, physical use and, health and healing, are ultimately derived from the spirit level or the universal energy, if you will. So how do PEMFs actually act? It's the magnetic field passing into the body from the magnetic coil. As it passes into the body, it stimulates the body to produce charge. So it interacts with the membranes of cells to create currents, electrical currents. So the, the tissues, through the, elect, through the um, ions in the body and the tissues, the electrolytes in the tissues, the water in the tissues, all of these things end up creating these electrical currents. And those currents that act on cell membranes. And when they act on the cell membranes, then they increase cellular respiration. They act on calcium, as we talked about. They act on coagulation to improve circulation. They re relax muscles. So the muscles can flow, produce uh, better circulation by relaxing and opening up and dilating. And they have strong immunomodulation effects by acting on heat shock proteins, on SOD, on uh, um, uh, free radicals. So all of these actions on the membranes of the PMFs then create anti-inflammatory actions, healing acceleration, improvements in perfusion, anti-edema activity, pain killing, a natural pain killing effect, not only by reducing inflammation, but actually a natural pain killing effect on the nervous system and nerves, and then reducing muscle contractions or spasticity. All of these actions have been identified in that initial book, Magnetic Therapy in Eastern Europe. So they were identified over the past 30 years or 50 years in Eastern Europe. Now, whatever happens at the cellular level cascades up to the membrane level and then goes into the nervous system. And I mentioned, I had a slide earlier that showed you then goes through the pituitary gland and through the rest of the brain and then creates all of these actions throughout the body. So you increase TSH production, you increase ACTH production, you do vagal nerve stimulation, and, and you get, again, systemically, you get anti-inflammatory action, healing, acceleration, perfusion, et cetera. So all those same effects that happen locally now cascade to varying degrees through the rest of the body. The local action is gonna produce the strongest reaction, and then secondarily, you get other reactions through the rest of the organism, but they're much weaker as they proceed away from the local area. So we talked about cells and so how and the cell membrane and how PMFs affect the cell membrane. When a cell is injured, whether it's heat or, or cold or radiation or viruses or toxicities, no matter what the cause of the injury of the cell is, an injured cell doesn't work properly and it decreases ATP production, causes has micro, my, mitochondrial damage. In other words, it can't produce as much energy, which therefore means it can't produce as much ATP. It changes the... Uh, the uh, um, entry of calcium into cells. It increases reactive oxygen species. It creates membrane damage by itself. That action, the cell injury, 
creates membrane damage, which then, again, decreases the ability of the cell to function, causes protein misfolding, which then causes all kinds of problems with the genetics and increases the activity of uh, the death of the cell. So cell injury happens at a level where it's reversible, which is at a level that's unseen, right? These are biochemical processes or through ultramicroscopic processes or uh, measure, using electrical measurements, using electromagnetic measurements, et cetera. Once the injury, once the cell has stopped being able to uh, maintain itself, once it gets past the point of, of uh, essentially not being able to repair itself, that's re irreversible cell injury. And we see that basically either through biochemical changes in the blood that we measure, through ultramicroscopic changes, in other words, high, pot high potency, high uh, resolution microscopes, through regular microscopes. And then eventually we can see it. So there's a progression then of the amount of damage over, over time of the injury process to get to a point where we as humans before biochemistry and before EKGs and so on, and X-rays and imaging studies, we're able to see it. So we waited this long, then it's way too irreversible to be able to recover and repair. So the, the goal then is to try to improve cell function while it's still reversible, while it's still able to fix itself. And routine magnetic field therapy will do that to you. If you're doing magnetic field therapy every single day, you're giving yourself a much better chance of helping cells that you don't even know are having problems be able to maintain their homeostasis. Let's go back to this slide again. These are all the different things that magnetic field acting energetically on the energy systems of the body and the cells of the body. These are all the things that magnetic fields do and many more. So this is a small smattering of the things that happen in the body. And you know, I've become humble over the years in working with PMFs. I can't predict what's gonna happen. The body decides what's gonna happen. But if I give the body the chance, then the body hopefully will make the right decisions and be able to uh, heal itself, recover itself. So these are the very basic actions. Uh, improving dilatation of blood vessels, reducing swelling, anti-inflammatory, painkilling, muscle relaxing, uh, healing acceleration, the, the thumb that I showed you, um, anticoagulant effects, so that again, improves circulation and decreases clotting and um, breakdown of tissues so that you don't get what we call hypoxic damage or ischemic damage, reducing bruising, acupuncture stimulation. So every time you're doing magnetic field therapy, you're stimulating all the acupuncture points and, merid and meridians in the area of the magnetic field. If you're doing whole body stimulation, you're doing whole body magnetic field therapy. It's not as accurate, may not be quite as potent as acupuncture, but you're still getting all of those acupuncture benefits. And then entrainment means that you're starting to get the, the nervous system to basically work in conjunction with the resonance of the magnetic field. So, and on top of all this, PMS stimulates stem cells. They increase uh, neural stem cells by about 400%. They increase about 150 growth factors. Part of the healing process when you're dealing with damaged tissues is you have to stimulate stem cells to be able to repair and replace that tissue. Okay, and we mentioned water already. So where there's charge or electrical conductivity, there is magnetic field action. According to the laws of physics, Faraday's law, the two aspects are inseparable, electrical and magnetic. And PEMFs work deeper than most other energy healing technology in the body. So what is an electromagnetic wave? So you have an electrical field here, which basically is vertical. And then you have a horizontal magnetic field, which is uh, perpendicular to the electrical field. So wherever you have an electrical field, 
to automatically always have a magnetic field. So how does that look going uh, practically speaking? So as the magnetic field moves down a wire, it produces a electrical field, which at the same time simultaneously produces a perpendicular magnetic field. Watch this part of the slide it's at the back end here. You can see as the, and they rise proportionally. So as the electrical field increases, the magnetic field increases. As it goes away, the magnetic field goes away. So this is a continual process of production of magnetic fields by current flowing through a wire. All right, so PEMFs are like the wind in the trees. You can't see it, but you know it's there by virtue of its actions. The body's transparent to a low frequency or a, a direct current magnetic field. So in other words, a static or permanent magnetic field. Nothing in the body stops, slows, or uses up a magnetic field, nothing. It goes right through the body, like the wind in the trees, just keeps on going, right? It stimulates the tree, but it just keeps on going. A PMS passed through the body as if the body wasn't even there. So a critical aspect of PMF therapy is intensity, the intensity of the magnetic field. And that's based on Faraday's law. Time varying, in other words, magnetic fields that are in motion, induce an electrical field whose charge, the magnitude of that electric field, the intensity of the magnetic field, the strength of the magnetic field is proportional to its rate of change. So the rate of change of the magnetic field creates an increase in the rate of change of the electric field. In other words, the energy that's produced in the body. And that is based on this formula called dB slash dt. So dB is, is the intensity of the magnetic field. This is the magnetic field at zero. There's no magnetic field. And then it increases over time, right? So it goes up from, a, from zero to a peak. That's the increase in the magnetic field. And it does that over time. It can't do it simultaneously. It, happen, it has to happen over time. So then you do a calculation then based on, the, on this, the change in intensity over the change in time, which gives you the strength of the production of charge in the body. This is a sample coil from a PMF-120. It produces a very powerful magnetic field extremely rapidly. And then because of the engineering, that magnetic field decays very rapidly over time. In microseconds, this is all happening in microseconds, extremely fast. This is a typical, uh, a sine wave magnetic field. The magnetic field produced by power lines is a sine wave. Magnetic fields produced by devices that plug into the wall and then don't filter or change the magnetic, change the current, it's translated into a magnetic field by driving it into coils, then that's a sine wave. And you can change any of these to produce the kind of intensity of the magnetic field, in other words, the dB slash dt that you want. Now, I get into arguments all the time with people about frequency versus intensity. Resonance and magnetic fields. Resonance is important, frequency is important, but most of the research to date has not compared the combinations of frequency and intensity to make any definitive conclusions on what the best parameters are for any PEMF use. We don't know what these are. So most of the research has actually shown that most of the benefits in the body are coming from the intensity of the magnetic field. And I'll show you why in a second. The term frequency is usually misused. For PEMFs, the proper term should be pulse rate, pulses per second, because most PEMF signals are not continuous. So like a sine wave that I showed you before, this is a continuous wave. This is a pulse wave. So you produce these pulses periodically, okay? So we shouldn't be using the word frequency anyway, and that gets confusing to everybody because people are using it all the time and they shouldn't be, it should be pulse rate. So PEMFs are not continuous and they are not broadcast into the environment. 
like microwaves are, or radar is, or, or uh, radio signals, or TV signals. They are broadcast. They are continuous waves broadcast into the environment. Now, again, one of the reasons PMF work, PMFs work in the body so well is because they act on the water in the body. And the water in the body is not actually water. It's an electrolyte soup. And virtually every molecule in the body has charge. Again, we're electromagnetic. We're an electrical beings that are producing charge and electricity and electromagnetic fields all the time. So the motion of the ions induce and conduct charge. Just the motion of the ions in our body induce and conduct charge. And PMFs interact with natural charge existing throughout the whole body, the whole body. No part of the body can't be affected by PMFs. So PMFs can stimulate the body to produce the amount of um, charge, healing, and other actions only to the extent it is capable. It can't be overcharged. This can happen with E-STEM. So magnetic fields drop off very rapidly with, with distance away from the source, extremely rapidly. And you have to account for that with healing purposes, for healing purposes. Uh, 15 Gauss is the magnetic field intensity needed typically to help the body fight in inflammation through the adenosine receptor. And you, again, you have to calculate the dose of the magnetic field you need to, to operate deeper into the body. So for example, if you want to treat at two inches into the body and you need 15 Gauss or 1.5 millitesla, you're going to need 500 Gauss to deliver 15 at two inches. At four inches into the body, let's say across, well, part, partly through the brain, you're gonna need almost 2000 Gauss, okay? And the problem that most people have with PMF therapy today is they don't know what the intensity is. And unfortunately, the people selling you the PMF system, they don't know what it is, or they don't wanna talk about it because they, they wanna confuse you with frequency versus intensity and their device can't produce intensity. So let's talk about frequency because that's what I know and what, what I can tell you, All right? Research has definitely showed that magnetic field intensity makes a difference. So this is a placebo, this is, uh, steroids for inflammation in, the, in a rat foot, a mouse foot paw. And this is a high intensity magnetic field. So the intensity of the magnetic field makes a difference in terms of how well it deals with inflammation. Timeline for healing. So in order to know how to heal or how well you're gonna heal, you have to understand the tissue you have and the level of illness or disease you have. And then you ha have, will have some sense of how long it's gonna take uh, for the tissue to heal. You get, need the best equipment to get the best result. You need the right equipment to get the best result. And you need to use it right to get the best results. So not only do you need the best equipment, you need to know how to use it and you have to use it right in order to get the best results. And if you compromise on any of those, then you're gonna compromise on your results. So now that you see what PMFs are, how they work, and the intensity is critical for good results and the body's responsiveness at, through every cell in the body, the PMF therapy, then what kind of magnetic field therapy system should you get? You should definitely probably not get anything less than 15 gauss for sure. Most of the whole body PMF systems, particularly the ones that are sold through multi-level marketing, are one Gauss or less. So what benefits are you getting? Probably shouldn't even get it less than 60 Gauss. So 60 Gauss is only going to give you a benefit, 15 Gauss benefit at half an inch into the body. All right, so intensity becomes really important. So too many people, including practitioners, are heavily marketed devices that are poorly, by poorly educated salespeople. And these devices have little clinical versus perceived value. They have, they have a sense of value, but they have very little clinical value and therefore leave much more to chance. And you're probably in the long run, not gonna get a whole lot more, a lot of benefit from it. Inadequate results lead to unhappy and, uh, people and ultimately sicker people for the time spent using something that's not gonna work. So conflicting information, many confusing choices. Remember intensity matters. 
So the uh, important device purchasing question is value. The value equals the cost and the benefit that you want, expect, and need. So you need to think about, is it portable? How much space is it gonna take? Uh, do you have adequate support, technical and, and professional? What is the warranty service? Not only what is the warranty, but what is the service? Where do you get your warranty service? Do you have to ship the device to some other foreign country? Is there financing? What kind of financing is available? Customer service, how good is the customer service? Uh, do they sell you something and then walk away and then you're left on your own? The, 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 that you need to have uh, multiple choices. You have to have more than one choice. If you buy one system, you're typically not gonna buy any other system because you're making a fairly significant investment. Do you have adequate training? And is there credibility behind the, the device and the people who are selling the, the equipment? This uh, table is in my uh, Supercharger Health book. These are the different devices and they can be categorized by whether they're low, medium or high or very high intensity locally for local use. And most whole body systems have a, an applicator that can be used locally. But they're usually much uh, lower intensity than uh, specifically dedicated devices for local use. And then you can use whole body systems that again, will tend to produce uh, stronger magnetic fields um, in the whole body, which gives you a lot more benefit. This is a picture of all the different devices that are available on drpollock.com. And we'll get into that in a second. All right, so you have a lot of choices to, to, uh, from which to make a selection. And again, it's a very important to make the right selection because you're probably only gonna make one investment. And I routinely get people coming to me who made the wrong investment and now they're sorry and they need to make an, an even bigger investment to uh, be able to deal with the problems they have because they weren't being helped by the device they bought before. So I would rec for, Jack, for um, advice, you can go to drpollock.com. In particular, I have something called the buyer's guide. So do in the search box, just put in buyer's guide uh, or maybe on the right side in the uh, uh, information. Also, there's a product comparison chart, which is the one I just showed you above. And that if you go to drpollock.com and then landing pages, product comparison. So or you just go to a product comparison on the website and then uh, consult. So then to consider, uh, we talked about this ease of use. To get informed, these are the books, Supercharger Health, Power Tools for Health. You can go to info.drpollock.com to get more information. And I have reached the end of the um, chat, slide, conference, presentation. Thank you for joining us. And now we are open to questions. Thank you very much for that very informative presentation. So uh, thank you for sharing the information on where to get your books and how people can reach out to you. We're now going to begin our live Q&A session. I'll be asking questions as well as opening up to the audience. So um, I'd like to explain a little bit about how we're going to go about this process. We, will, we don't take questions directly from the chat. Instead, we ask everyone to, uh, to virtually raise their hand if you're not sure how to do this. What you need to do is click the reactions button which is located second to the right in the Zoom window on the toward the bottom. Then you'll click on the raise hand function in the menu that pops up. We will take questions in the order in which they are received. When it's your turn, I will unmute you and I will prompt you to state where you're from and ask your question. We ask that everyone keep their questions brief and on topic. We will then mute you in order to give everyone a chance to ask the question as best we can. We won't be taking follow-up questions. However, if you would like to ask another question, you can get back online. 
And um, and then um, I'll be asking questions as well. And we'll be going until approximately 11 o'clock this morning. That's Eastern time. So our first question from the audience is going to come from Rita. Rita, please state your name and where you're, oh, sorry, well, not your name, but where you're from and ask your question. Uh, hi, Dr. Pollack. I'm from Baldwin Harbor, Long Island, uh, New York, and uh, very good information. Now, the magnetic therapy is uh, in for a while. Now, is this something new? And can the patient with shunt can use the magnetic therapy? So that's a very important question, and thank you. Um, magnetic field therapy is old, but it's relatively new in the U.S., and there are relatively few practitioners who are actively using it in the U.S., and there are relatively few medical providers who are expert at magnetic field therapy. So there are lots of doctors who are doing magnetic field therapy in their offices, but they have had very poor training very often. So they don't really know the full potential value of what they're doing. In the long run, though, most people need magnetic field therapy in the home setting. Because if you want to prevent aging, if you want longevity, you can't just treat a problem for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, one treatment, and then be done. The body is constantly um, repairing itself, constantly replacing and repairing itself. In order to help that process not to leave things to chance, then you need to have your own magnetic therapy system in the home setting. And you probably should have the right one. Now, in terms of things that are in the body that are not normally in the body, like metals, if you have a joint replacement or you have a pacemaker installed or you have shunts uh, or you have ports, all of these can um, be essentially uh, used, uh, magnetic field therapy can be used with many of them or most of them. With pacemakers, you have to be extremely careful and you have to really know and work with your cardiologist to know whether you can expose that pacemaker to a magnetic field. You have to really be careful with pacemakers. With implanted um, hardware, like joint replacements and hip replacements, another metal in the body, plates and screws and so on. That's not really a problem, but what you have to do is you have to find out what level of magnetic field is going to irritate that tissue. Because any metal in the body is a foreign object, it's a foreign body. The body doesn't like it there. It was used on purpose for a particular purpose, but it's outlived its purpose. Usually, typically, people just leave it in the body. So unfortunately, heavy metals in the body cause inflammation. And that inflammation leads to complications. And in the case of joint replacements, they have a lifespan. And why do they have a lifespan? If it was that good in the body, you should be able to keep it in the body for the rest of your life. They typically have to be replaced or revised about 15 to 20 years after replacement because it's causing side effects, it's causing inflammation in the body. So you can use it, and it will actually stimulate the body to be able to integrate better with that metal. It causes better osteointegration. So I do recommend anybody with a joint replacement should have a lifetime PMF system available every day. Shunts can be different. Shunts can be metal or plastic. If it's a metal shunt, it depends on where it is. Uh, you, know, you Probably with metal shunts, you have to use lower intensity magnetic fields because of the ch charge uh, interaction of the magnetic field with the metal and therefore with the tissues around it. So it can irritate it. And whenever you have surgery of any kind, you're damaging nerves. And when you're damaging nerves and creating inflammation, you're creating irritated nerves. So when you pass a magnetic field through the tissues and the nerves are irritated, the magnetic field therapy is activating those nerves, which can then feel like the magnetic field is causing a problem. It's not causing a problem, it's making you alert to the fact that the nerves in the tissues are hurting and the magnetic field is waking that up. 
in order to heal those nerves, you have to keep doing the magnetic field. And over time, you gradually increase the intensity and you should normally be able to tolerate it. So shunts can be a problem, particularly brain shunts or shunts that are next to a large blood vessel, right? Or at the base of the brain, for example. These are shunts that you have to be very careful with. And you need expert guidance and advice to be able to know whether you should or shouldn't use magnetic field therapy and what kind. Thank you very much, doctor. Our next question is coming from Stephen. Stephen, please state where you're from and ask your question. Hi, I'm Steve from Syosset, New York. And um, last night, uh, Dr. Sunil, um, Dr. Sunil Pai said, or yesterday, there was a new PMF technology called uh, cloud advanced technology, I think he said. Um, should we replace our old PMF devices with this? NO. Why? Cloud technology, even though it's fascinating and interesting the way they designed it, is still extremely low intensity. And what I said in my slides is intensity matters. In order to affect inflammation deeper in the body, you have to have higher intensity magnetic field. So it doesn't matter how jivey it is, how interesting and brilliant it is. If it's not high enough intensity, it's not going to do you much good. So you, gotta get, you still have to get the right machine. If you have another machine already, then you have to know how the machine you have compares to that one. And again, what I would recommend is, this is not an endorsement for my book, and you don't have to get my book, but if you want to get educated, I would suggest you get the Supercharge uh, um, Your Health book, Supercharge Your Health with PMF's book, because that talks about the different machines and what they do, and it gives you some, some sense of choices for what you should consider. If you're thinking about replacing your equipment, but I would not replace another PMF device with a cloud, just because it sounds fancy. Well, I, you know, I thought that the cloud was a device that actually was, um, um, Dr. Um, Pai was talking about um, all the EMFs in the, uh, you know, that were that were living in the cloud kind of protected you from that as opposed to was the type of machine that you're talking about. Um, no, um, all PMFs help the body to become more resilient, right? We talk about homeostasis. Every cell is constantly being bombarded by external forces whether it's EMFs in the environment or EMFs in a machine that you're using. If you're increasing the, the vitality of the body and the ability of the body to repair and recover, then it doesn't matter what, in a sense what kind of PMF you're using as long as it's a strong enough PMF. We cannot escape the environment. This is it. If you want to go to the Antarctic, and even the Antarctic these days is poisoned, right? You can't escape it. And so you need something to be able to repair the body. You can't just sort of de deflect it. You can't deflect it. You can cause vibrational interference with some of these other fields, but that's often not strong enough and not reliable enough. And as you move around, you leave your cloud, what happens? You don't have a cloud around you, right? So it's, it's, it sounds nice, but I don't think it actually works that well. And also Dr. Pai was talking about um, a patented frequency. I don't know if you're familiar with, with his work. How is that something that, that has any sort of extra benefit? I know you're talking about, you know, intensity versus frequency, but can that patented frequency range that they, that they have, uh, have beneficial effects over traditional, uh, PEMF systems? Well, I, I've been, uh, I've been working with magnetic fields for 30 years. I was, I was the vice president for the North American Academy for Magnetic Therapy in the early 90s. And we had these arguments all the time. And the answer is intensity matters. 
Now, at certain levels of function, if you have, let's use a pond, for example, and you have something floating on a pond, or the pond, the water in the pond is moving in a certain direction against a certain object in the pond. And that water you know, has a very low frequency, right? And is moving toward that object. But if, if the water gets too high, too strong, or too fast, it's going to overwhelm whatever is at the end of that pond. So frequencies are basically like that. The body is full of frequencies. I, don't, I didn't have that slide here today, but the body is radiating a huge number of frequencies. It's a vast range of frequencies. Pick a frequency. What's it gonna do? How many other frequencies does the body need at any given moment, at any given time? We are not so smart that we can say this is the only frequency the body needs or that this is the only frequency the body needs for this problem. Because the problem is, very few studies have been done to compare frequencies and to compare the value of a frequency and intensity simultaneously, right? So there's just not enough research to say that frequency is the best ever. It's conceptual and it may make some sense conceptually and it may be brilliant and it may be very interesting, but what is it really doing in terms of health and healing? Okay. I don't, I still, that question as far as I'm concerned is still very wide open. And should we be protecting ourselves? You know, going going back to the cloud question, should we, whether it works or not, I'm not talking about the, you know, the veracity of any of the claims that, that were made, but um, should, in the ideal world, should we be concerned and be trying to protect ourselves from all of the, the EMFs that, that we're being bombarded with? You can't. You'd have to shield yourself with an aluminum wrap. And even wherever the wrap is not tightly up against you, the, the electric fields sneak in, right? So you can't completely, you, you cannot completely protect yourself. And if you can't, <clears throat> this is like the idea of health is the absence of disease. Health is not the absence of disease. It's just the absence of disease. But what's health? You have to do things to maintain health. You have to eat right. You have to have the right amount of rest. You have to have the right attitudes. You have to do all the right things to have good health. So in other words, if you work towards optimization, then that's going to be better than trying to protect yourself against something that is only going to happen now and then, right? Or if it, because it does happen around us, we're totally surrounded by it, especially Western civilization. Uh, you can't, you just can't possibly protect yourself enough. And therefore my emphasis has always been make yourself healthy. Don't, don't spend as much time or energy or money resources on protection. Now, obviously, if, you're, if your house is right next to a microwave tower, the best answer for that is move, right? You can't protect yourself from that. It's just too much and it's all, it's all day long, 24 seven. And what about um, like, with like cell phones, we're walking around with our cell phones. Should we be, should we not have them near us while we're sleeping? Should we not put them near our head? Is that, I mean, that's something that we can do minimally to protect okay, ourselves. Okay, so, so yeah, that, that's a very, very important question. So we should, as much as we can, minimize our exposure. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, so what I, what I would suggest we do is that when you can eliminate, Wi-Fi is clearly a, a, an issue. Um, smartphones are an issue, for example, and I didn't talk about this, but EMFs versus PEMFs, electromagnetic fields in the environment, I call them environmental magnetic fields, 
which are primarily Wi-Fi microwaves and Wi-Fi, but they also include radio signals, they also include television signals, and they also include radar. Right, but EMFs in the environment, our exposure to them is incredibly variable. So if you have a cell tower here, right, then how far away do you have to be from your cell tower to have almost no effect from it? I showed you the slide about intensity matters. Well, that same slide relates to uh, the magnetic field uh, that's damaging to us. The farther away you are from it, the less effects there are from it. In fact, there may be more going on in your body without that, just on its own, than would happen from that. So proximity and the time of exposure becomes a critical factor. When you put a cell phone to your ear and you hold it there for half an hour while you're taking a call, you take the cell phone away, you'll notice that it's very red. Basically, your, your ear was being cooked. And why was it being cooked? Because microwaves are absorbed by the body. That's the principle of microwave ovens. You put something in it and you bombard it with these very short frequencies that are absorbed by whatever's in the microwave oven, and then it's cooked. So you're cooking your ear. Keep your phone away from you. Go on speaker as much as possible. Right? Do not use the phone against your head as much as possible. Try not to use the phone against your head. So always put it on speaker or use a connector. I don't like the wireless. I don't like Bluetooth wireless. So if you're, a, if you're really crazy about magnetic field exposure, avoidance, don't use Bluetooth. That's mm -hmm. still microwaves. It's weak, but it's still microwaves. And I see people walking around all day long with their Bluetooth in their ear. So use a, 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 a tube connector, a sound connector, which is terrible. The sound quality is actually horrid. Or again, a speaker. A sound connector, are you talking about the, like the wired, or how about the wired headsets that you plug in with the, the ones that you originally came with these smartphones before the Bluetooth became popular? Those are definitely better than Bluetooth. Okay. But you're still having a little bit of electromagnetic field, tiny, not strong enough to be a problem from okay. that little bud in your ear. But the Bluetooth is worse because they have to amplify the signal significantly. So there's a lot more electrical activity going on with a Bluetooth pod than there is with a wired connection. Okay. And I know that signals um, diminish, the power of the signals diminish very quickly. So what would be a safe distance to keep our phone away from us? Well, you know, I, I'm sure we're all surrounded by electronics all day. I'd love to, if, I, if it made a difference by moving it one more foot away from me, I would love to. Yeah, one, one or two feet. So we even say with magnetic field therapy, when you have a high intensity magnetic field device, it will definitely interfere with your phone. I've had that happen. I've actually blown two remote controls, TV remote controls with high intensity PMF. I've had a computer screen freeze. So you got to keep these electronics about a foot to two feet away. I would try two feet. From but, ourselves. From our bodies. Okay, yes. So our cells from the magnetic therapy device, but our bodies, except when we're doing treatment, obviously we're doing it on purpose. But right. the electronics in the equipment that produces the magnetic field is strong enough to interfere with the electronics of other devices. Okay, thank you. Now you mentioned a book kind of like, you know, you, you mentioned how um, when people ask you for proof or ask one of your colleagues for proof, you throw uh, power tools for health, how pulse magnetic fields help you. What does it show in there that that um, is the is the research that that this is, I guess is all based on? All right, there are five hundred references in the book. I had to pull these references from a lot of various sources because magnetic field information is not in sort of like one place. Um, so I, I have references. I give references for each of the actions of magnetic fields, and that's critical. 
because the actions are foundational. They're fundamental. And it doesn't matter what the disease is. Most diseases share, the similar, share similar kinds of actions. And so if you can identify the benefits of magnetic fields relative to those actions, then, and they're referenced, that's, that's important. And then I review 50 different diseases or health conditions, and I provide references for those. So there's over 500 references in the book over a variety of different issues. Now, are there enough references for any given problem or any given solution or any given action? No, there's always room for more uh, science. But the point is that there's a, a lot of science out there. there. You can't make the statement there's no science. But you can, say that there, you can say that there's very little science about a lot of things in medicine, for example, and in physiology and healthcare. Even a lot of the supplements that we use and recommend have one or two studies that they, that they show that, that claims that, that uh, supports the benefits that, that are claimed. So we, we have a huge need for a lot more science. So are there any, just out in the field in general, are there any like double blind controlled peer reviewed studies out there on this subject? Absolutely. And a lot of those are in the book. All right, awesome, awesome. Um, and then one thing I think that a lot of our, uh, the people in the audience are concerned about, like the, the specific um, type of signal that has gotten a lot of people um, motivated to take action um, is 5G. What are your thoughts on the dangers of 5G? Is that something uniquely dangerous or is that just a, you know part of this it's, fog of electromagnetic? It's just stronger and faster. So again, these, these EMFs were designed for communication. They were not designed for healthcare. And what I, in many ways, what I'd rather do is focus on the value of PMF therapy rather than the risks. So we could talk, you could have five hours of discussion on the risks mm -hmm. and 5G is bad. 10G is worse. So, and the, the 5G is worse than 4G, worse than 2G because of distance. So now what has to happen is because you've increased the, the you've decreased these, the wavelength of these Wi-Fi signals, that means that they have to be, that in order to broadcast them at a distance, you need a lot more power. And that's why you see 5G stations all over the place because they need more power to be broadcast. 10G is gonna need even more. So 5G is no different than the others, except that it's more proximate to us, closer to us, and the amount of absorption by the body is greater, except that the amount of absorption here versus here is gonna be quite different. So if I put it like on top of my head up here, it's gonna be very different there than it is there. So if the 5G tower is this far from you, there's relatively little risk. I'm not saying literally physically, I'm just showing you a representation of distance. Sure. So the closer you are to the 5G, the more risk of harm there is, the farther you are, the less risk. So it's not just about the fact that it's 5G, it's about the intensity and the distance and the duration of exposure. So um, what, are the, what are the types of things? I know you, you gave a long list of, of things that can be treated with, uh, with um, the PEMF therapy. What are the things that most people are coming in for? What are the things that you've had the, the, where people come in and they've had the biggest and maybe most surprising um, benefits or, or, or health um, you know, rehabilitations from? So I showed you this two uh, patients or people who consulted with me. One was a 30-year-old and one was a 70-year-old. So this, these are fairly typical of the people who, who look for advice for PEMF therapy. The most common reason for people to seek PEMF therapy is pain. 
60% of visits to doctors, primary care doctors, are for pain. Right? Pain is the most common reason that motivates us to move. Being short of breath, it depends on how short of breath you are. If you're running up the stairs and you get short of breath, you're not going to go to your doctor. Right? If you're short of breath sitting in your chair in your living room, then you better go to the doctor. So really, it's the, it's the motivator that, that, that drives people. Now, as I mentioned, with all these different tissues, all these different problems in people that people have in their bodies, all these fu functional physiologic changes, all can benefit from PMF therapy. So what's the threshold at which people are willing to spend the money and the time and the effort to get a PMF system? So pain becomes the most common. And the, ch the challenge with pain is that we don't wanna just remove pain. We don't want a Band-Aid. If I give you ibuprofen, it helps your pain and you might be happy for a little while, but it's gonna come back if you don't remove the cause. So the goal with PMF therapy is to try to heal the cause as much as you can. And that means you're gonna have to put in the time to do the healing work, right? We didn't put in the time to do the healing work at the time of the original injury, or sometimes the original injury was just too bad, too, too severe, that no, and, and where it affected the body was such that there's no way that you could have done anything about it. And how fast could you have eliminated the pain problem from it? So when does, when does pain become chronic? It depends on a person's definition, certainly at least within a month or three months away from the original insult. After that, it's chronic. So then how long is it gonna to take to heal it? I showed the slides of the different healing rates of the different tissues, right? So that's all very important. And that's in, that's in the book, uh, both books as well, that, the healing timelines. So pain becomes the most important. And again, you gotta give the body a chance and time to heal. If you get recovery from your pain very quickly, God bless, but you're not done yet. So I've got to ask this question because of the, the, I guess, the type of system in the United States we have to pay for therapies. Do insurance companies cover any of, of this? Do they, do they acknowledge that it even exists? So there are magnetic therapy devices that are approved by the FDA and can be covered by insurance. So for example, uh, there's a system called TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, that's been FDA approved for depression. And most, I would say most insurance companies in the US today now cover that in a limited way for a limited number of treatments and only for treatment resistant depression. There are devices that are approved for healing fractures that won't heal, non-union fractures, right? And they've been around for 25 years, but the company will not allow you to buy the machine unless it's just for a non-union fracture. And those machines have a time clock on them. They're only good for a certain period of time. If they go beyond that time, you have to apply back to the company and say, and the doctor has to apply back to the company and say, my patient needs this longer than what you've allowed it to be used for. Generally speaking, non-unions will repair with these, this device within three to, six, three, to, three to nine months. So usually people are done with it after three to nine months, but you can't use it for anything else. If you get seizures or you have migraines, you could, while you're using it, while it's working for your, uh, my, for your fracture, you could use it on your brain, but then you're using it, using up the time that you have available for your fracture. So you have to decide which is more important. Now, if you healed your fracture and you still have a clock on it, well, you could probably use it for other things too. It's a very weak magnetic field, but it works, still works. Okay, we're gonna take a question from our audience. Bin Wu, please state where you're from and ask your question. Yeah, hi, hello, good morning. Yeah. 
Can you hear me now? You can hear me? Yes, we can. I, oh, yeah. And this uh, topic is so interesting. It's so great for the medicine to treat the patient. So I got one question. I know um, another question is uh, how can people find the best uh, vibration the, you know, for the health? Another question is uh, if people work on the farm um, all the time, so do you think they will get some the disease? Fun, fun all the time. All right, if I understand your questions correctly, first question was, um, well, what what devices are best for you, for your, for, for your given problem? Um, and there's, the, I, I, I have a slide still up there about um, the websites. So drpollock.com is probably the best source, or you could get the book, Supercharge Your Health, which is only about $29. So you could read through that and that'll give you a lot of information about how, what devices to get for different problems. I hope, hope I answered that question uh, correctly. The other one is the people with phones. What's the best way to protect yourself from using your phone all day long? I go, go back to that question. Um, that's, a, that's a very, important question, it's a good question, and it's a tough question, because is the only thing you want to do is to treat your brain? If that's the only objective that you have to treat your brain from the damage caused by the phone or potential damage caused by the phone, then you can get devices that only basically treat the, the, the brain area. Um, but you could, and you could spend anywhere between, say, uh, $400 or $350 upwards of $10,000 for treating the brain. Now, if you're just doing for, for protection purposes, you probably don't need a whole lot of magnetic field intensity, but in order to treat across the brain, to protect the whole brain from magnetic field therapy for 15 Gauss. In other words, you need 15 Gauss from one end of the brain to the other to protect you from the inflammation caused by the, the phone. You need a 4,000 Gauss magnetic field machine. And the value of that is that if you have a 4,000 Gauss magnetic field machine, it's going to do a lot more for you than just protect your brain. You can get all the other benefits of magnetic field therapy. It's not a one pill for one problem kind of uh, situation if you think about the way magnetic fields work. So you have to think about, again, what benefits do you want for one particular problem, but what other benefits can you get as well? And uh, again, all that information is on drpollock.com. I think we, one of the problems that we have is we have to stop thinking like the pharmaceutical industry. One problem, one pill. 10 problems, 10 pills. 10 pills, 20 pills to offset the side effects from the 10 pills. Right? We have to stop thinking that way. We have to start thinking largely about our bodies. And it's not just our brains that need protection. At the same time, you're living and breathing. Your heart's pumping. Your joints are working. Your muscles are working. You have inflammation, you have a bad tooth. You have inflammation, you have uh, sinuses or you have uh, allergies. You need to treat you, not just your brain, not just your protect your brain from the cell phone. Great, thank you for that, doctor. Um, so you, you'd mentioned hands-on energy treatment. Um, Reiki has become very popular in the West. You know, there's a lot of yoga studios and people, you know, Reiki practitioners going on there. Um, what are your thoughts on the power and the efficacy of Reiki? Uh, I'm trained in Reiki myself. Uh, I'm trained at the master level for Reiki. 
And um, well, if your only tool is a hammer, you see every problem is a nail. If your only tool is Reiki, then or acupuncture or a chiropractic, it doesn't matter what it is. If your only tool is a hammer, you see every problem is a nail. And Reiki can do a lot of things for a lot of people. But I have also found that Reiki doesn't work for a lot of people, probably a lot more than it helps. And where I find Reiki is probably the best value is people with sort of minimal early problems. They also, they also have to be willing to uh, um, accept the value of Reiki, right? With cancer in particular, I tell people that your cancer is between you and God. Any disease, any condition you have is between you and God. Right? You need to have spirit helping you as well to deal with that problem. And Reiki works at that level of bioenergy, but it's very weak bioenergy. So it's working not only on the bioenergy from the healing process that's going on with you, with, with the healer, um, but it's also working with your belief system and your, your, your values and beliefs and your spirituality. So if you're, if you're, uh, if you got a, a, a spike in your skull, Reiki may help you feel better. Is it going to take care of the spike? Is it going to take care of the damage from the spike in your head? I would say as a physician who has been trained in all these things, I would say, no, you have to get off the edge of the cliff in a gale, in a wind, high wind. Then you have to find out how you got on the cliff in the first place and, and, and deal with that. So uh, Reiki can be very useful, but I think it's, it's relatively subtle. And relative to PMF therapies, I put Reiki on the spectrum of value, but from a physician's perspective, if you got, uh, again, a head injury, if you have COVID, if you have so on, then Reiki energy medicine approaches, Tai Chi, Qigong, all of these things can be very helpful. Studies have been done actually um, using what's called a voltage wall for healers, including Qigong healers. And a voltage wall is you got a copper wall and you can measure electrical potentials. And so they took these healers and they were broadcasting their uh, like Reiki or uh, other healing approaches at the wall. And what they found is that their brains lit up and produced a significant amount of energy in the brain. And then all of a sudden there was a discharge through the, through the hands or the body of the healer onto the wall. And they could produce as much as a million volts, but they were unpredictable. They couldn't do it consistently and they couldn't do it all the time. So there's a value, but there's a problem of reliability, durability, persistence, consistency, and so on. So again, they can have some value uh, and it depends on the problems you're trying to deal with. If you wanted to sort of generally support your psyche and your, and your spirituality, I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. And for maybe for maintenance purposes, it seems a lot to do that. If you have, if you have a, a spiritual crisis going on, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, then yes, these technologies could be quite effective because they're not only working on the energy patterns, they're also working on your psyche. And so your belief system has to be engaged for all of that to happen. So that's, my, that's sort of my answer, having experience with all of this. All right, great. We've got another question from Bin Wu. Bin Wu, go ahead and ask your yeah. question. Yeah, thank you very much. It's very interesting, the, um, the science. And um, one question is the first, um, is the mind vibration? So the positive mind has the positive vibration for body. This is, is true or not. Second one is 
Does any food have vibration to support the body health vibration? Okay. Food has vibration. I, I think you said vibrations. So vibration, again, we go back to frequency versus intensity. Mm. Right? So frequency, vibration is frequency. All the cells in the body produce hundreds and maybe even thousands of vibrations or frequencies at any given time. I use P PMF therapy. Talk about vibration therapy. I use PMF therapy to help people to sleep. We have a device um, called the X-Pulsor that we put on, on a pillow to be able to induce the brain to vibrate at a lower rate. So a brain that's vibrating like this is awake. A brain, a brain that's vibrating like this, a pulse per second, is asleep. So we want to induce that vibration in the brain. That's called entrainment. So that's using frequency. That's using a pulse rate to induce a frequency in the brain. We are so full of frequencies. It's so hard, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's so hard to know what frequency is going to work. And all you can do is try it and see what it does and what it doesn't do. And what it doesn't do, I think you better find something else, another solution for it. All food has frequencies. But those frequencies, when that food is broken down, so a food, a, a melon has a melon frequency as a whole melon, or let's say a lemon. And then you take off the peel, the frequency changes, right? So the peel has its own frequency. And the food has its own frequency. And the juice has its own frequency. So all of these frequencies are additive. And because a melon or a lemon has many thousands of frequencies, what is it doing in the body? It's interacting with the, body, the other frequencies in the body that are sympathetic to that frequency. But is it strong enough to take away a headache? It may be, it may not be. If you have a migraine and it's shutting you down, it's probably not gonna be strong enough. If you're trying to prevent migraines by using lemons, you may find that maybe on a regular basis, taking lemons decreases the rate and the severity of your migraines. Try it and see what happens. Great, thank you for that. So we have about two more minutes. Um, let me just ask you a, a question on on grounding. Given that we are bombarded, bombarded with all of this, you know, this uh, electrical magnetic interference, um, wh what are your thoughts on you know people walking in nature barefoot so they can be grounded? that out. Yeah, I had a, a discussion with uh, Dr. Mercola about this and uh, um, with several other people who have large audiences. And uh, what, I, what I told them is that the idea behind grounding is a, an excellent idea. And it does attach us back, in a sense, to the earth. But it does boil down to energy. It does boil down to charge. And so grounding essentially grounds you to the charge of the earth. Right. Um, if grounding was that good, if grounding was that important, if grounding was that effective, why did people only survive 30 years or about 100 years ago? They didn't have electromagnetics. They didn't have Wi-Fi. They didn't have anything else. They lived on the, on the earth. They walked on the earth all the time. Okay. Right? So grounding, grounding has a value to a point. If mm -hmm. you're dealing with a serious or significant health issue, if you want to use grounding for just maybe helping you with your sleep or just general balance or just generally feeling a little bit more sort of grounded, um, then grounding is good. But if you've got pneumonia, 
But if you have a broken bone, grounding is going to only go so far. It's not going to be enough. Great. Thank you so much. We're going to end our Q&A there. Thank you so much for all the, the amazing information that you shared today. And um, just so that everyone else can share their appreciation with you, we're going to open up the mics and you'll hear a cacophony of, of thanks from the audience. <laughs> um, <laughs>